This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker and Dave Murphy to talk over, um, un- unfortunately, a-, a familiar, disappointing weekend at Manchester United. If you're watching live on YouTube, feel free to subscribe and like and share the video and get your comments and questions in. If you're watching the replay comment we do reply to, to the ones we get on the replays if you're listening back on the audio podcast please subscribe and leave a, a positive review on the platform you're listening on uh first of all morning paul how are you doing how was your weekend fine mine I'm, I'm i'm okay weekend was um well it turned into something that related to manchester united to be perfectly honest good bad or indifferent you end up talking about them and you could talk to anybody, the fishmonger, anybody, and everybody wants to talk about what's going on. People want to know, and so that's my weekend was spent with where I was. All everyone was was asking me. I wish I was a fountain of knowledge about Manchester United. I could be like you, then Wayne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow! All right, well, weaker than knees already. It's not even two minutes past ten. Um, unlikely to top that, Dave. Um, I know you're usually quick to give me a compliment. So, um, how are you doing? You all right? Uh, I'm, I'm googling compliment. No, no. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was an okay weekend. I, I I've long gotten past uh, allowing Manchester United to ruin my weekend. Um, over the past ten years, it's it's done it too many times. So yeah, uh, eager to talk about Manchester United today, though. So, other yeah. than that, great weekend. Good stuff. And um, when just so everyone knows that when Dave Google's compliment, the the result search um, comes up with salt and vinegar. Um, all right, so Manchester United nil, Crystal Palace won. Um, disappointing, disappointing, despite my laughing. Um, difficult game to sort of analyze, really, because we were so poor. I mean, I, there's a lot of criticism to go around, unfortunately. Although from what was available, I know we talked about possible selections last week. I felt from what was available, it's probably the right choice. I mean, you could argue Annabelle should have started um, Garnacho as well, but that's maybe with the benefit of hindsight. I felt considering the the run of form that Annabelle had been in and the fact that Mount was back and he played all right in the League Cup game, that you've got to start Mount over Annabelle. You can't go the other way just yet. So I thought he actually made the right 
choice with the selection. We were just, and obviously the left back issue we'll talk about, but it was so disappointing in terms of what we then put um, forward. Um, Concede this early goal. Um, Amrabat, um, in his unfamiliar position, he's conceding a lot of silly fouls. Um, one of them they get a free kick from. Cross isn't that great, actually, but the finish is exceptional. And from there, United's response is unbelievably flat. Um, they don't do much. I mean, Casemiro has a couple of chances. Um, straight after the goal, a shot from about 25 yards just goes wide. He has an header from a corner. Um, the half time comes and goes and you expect the team to come out and play with some kind of verve and they don't do that. You bring on Garnacho, change the system up a little bit. Um, United still offering nothing. Garnacho looked all right in flashes, but you know United were, they had all this possession and didn't control the game. Palace were quite happy to let them have the ball. I mean, I think Bruno has a chance. Ireland has a couple of chances. One forces the goalkeeper into a save. Amrabat clips the bar with a sort of speculative effort. But apart from that, United they didn't make Palace work hard for the win, and and that's something that we've seen too often. Um, Palace didn't have to work hard really, and they come away with a, a one 0 win. They, they've got a decent record at Old Trafford of late in the league, and they got another result. Um, Paul. <laughs> We'll talk about Rashford for a little moment in a bit, but in general, what did you make of um, what you saw at the weekend? Well, I got what I expected. It's, it's never, it's never good to play the same team back to back. Germany doesn't always work out as like two wins. It doesn't very rare, especially with Crystal Palace for the team they put out. And you knew, you knew midweek that, that you know their two key players are the centre halves, and neither of them played. Yeah. And they, they bring them both in and they definitely add something, especially um, Gahey, who's a, a wonderful left-sided centre-half. Great left foot, even though he's right-footed, he can use both feet equally as good. But what United was lacking, again, was energy. I, I'm I'm just wondering how you've got someone like Hannibal, and like like you said at the top of this, he said like with Mount and that, you know, he should, you know, Mount had to come in. I, I say, why? Why has Mount got to come in? Because he's been kind of out for a while. Hannibal has proved himself. And yes, he cost 50 million. But what is 50 million? Now, when you look at it, in that sense, when you think we've got a young boy who's done well, it would have it would have asked a question of Mount. How was he going to deal with that being left out of a game because someone young's come in? And when you look at what Hannibal does, he, first and foremost, he was enjoying himself. He wants to prove a point. And he, and he earned that right to be back at Manchester United and first team squad because of what he'd done last season in the Championship, where I, where I said before he could have sulked at being there. He, he could have just gone for the motions and lived off the fact of coming from United and tarnished, tarnished his reputation. He didn't. He built his reputation. Comes back. He knows he's played well in previous games because I'm sure the managers told him his teammates would have said something to a young lad to keep him going. But people have seen it in the newspapers. All the, everyone's talking about him and all the media outlets regarding football. And then he leaves him out. The, the person who covers more yards than anybody, but with a little bit more of an end product, he's not just a chicken with no head. There's something in his head. There's a plan in his head. What he's doing. And he gets left out against Crystal Palace, who have got, like you mentioned, a good record. And they, play, they do play 
with a bit of energy. They've got, you know, runners all like everywhere. They, they play on the counter because you mentioned about United's possession against Palace. Um, they let every team have the ball. Doesn't matter. They play at home. They're happy for you to have the ball. They're not interested in having the ball. And, and they were content with United, especially knowing that United's creativity is about as good as a kid in the kindergarten. So um, it was disappointing that he made those, he made changes with, the, with players who had been doing a good job, just getting United through and adding something that's been missing. And talk about that game, that was a key point, is that there was no energy, no one wanted to close anybody down. Mostly made Palace look better than what they really are because they had more time. Um, and I just, I look at that and I just, I'm still not understanding it. Um, maybe I'm, maybe the, the game has changed and gone beyond my years now, but I still believe that the first thing you do, especially when you when you played for Manchester, when I went and played for Manchester United, the five, first five minutes at Old Trafford was so important to, to really get, to really grab hold of the game because if you could grab hold of it and a team like Crystal Palace coming now or any team at that given time and I was playing, you knew there was a fear factor initially and then straight away you just cement that in by really pulling it on them. Get the first throw near the corner flag. Get the first corner. Get the first shot of goal. Hopefully score the first goal. Not anymore. It's people just going through them and think it's just going to happen. And it's just really, in my opinion, this is looking like maybe... The worst, the worst of all at this moment in time, the worst season of all, the way it started, the way everyone is, the way everybody is talking about Ten Hag and trying to talk in a past tense and about him. And I feel, so, I feel sorry for the guy, to be perfectly honest. And people are talking about a change of manager. There's been too many change of managers. The problem is so many changes of managers, but yet the same personnel. Yeah. The same, the same tools are in the box, Wayne. So what do you do? You're going to keep doing that? Like we say, it's 10 years since um, the gaffer um, um, retired and there's been nothing. All there's, all there's been is a peak and a massive drop. Yeah. And, this, and we'll be, and it'll be exactly the same again. It's, it's going that way again. It can't, it can't change at this moment in time unless January, something's going to happen in January and it's going to be wow. And then it needs, then it needs to be built again. Can it do that? No one knows. Yeah, at this point, we'll talk about this in a moment. The the bigger malaise, um, but one of my little rants lined up. Uh, not not it's a mini rant, mini rant. Left space for you guys to go into one today. Um, a couple of comments before I come to you, Davo. Um, Daryl says totally agree. Annabelle should have started. So maybe I'm in the minority in terms of think. In hindsight, obviously, yeah, it, it probably should have done because once the game was moving away from United and we didn't bring him on, you. You know, you're losing it completely, aren't you? He says, a young, tenacious player. I love the fact he has a bit of bite to his game too. Yeah, the, one of the observations that was made on Tuesday night from someone I go to the game with, or well, I see the games, he said that, you know, Annabelle didn't actually have a lot of touches on, on Tuesday night, but it's what he did off the ball. And, you know, United's biggest issue on Saturday was what they didn't do off the ball. Uh, Patrick, good morning, mate. Are you, are you doing well? He says, good morning, guys. I've been reflecting after the game about our form. Do we have to accept this phase in the rebuild won't go in straightforward upward tra trajectory? With the exception of Pep and maybe Mourinho first time round at Chelsea, it takes two or three years to become competitive. I'm going to come to this on a wider point in a moment, yeah. Um, are you United fans? 
able to roll with the punches of frustrating defeats or will the pressure prove too much for everyone? There have been dark days before the success arrives. As you can tell from Dave and myself, maybe not so much Dave, but definitely myself, you can tell we're old enough to have been around the block to witness some smaller dark days under Sir Alex, such that they were in the early times. Um, but yeah, not not many for, for us in our lifetime, to be fair. And Paul was obviously playing elsewhere and arrived as part of the group that brought the success back to the club. Um, Dave, before I get into the, the nuts and bolts of all the big issues, talk about the game. Um, Rashford, I know everyone's criticising him, rightly so, but I, it's not one I really want to get into too much today because we've talked about him too often. Um, and, and really, there is no idea from how poor he was, but he was also playing as a left-sided forward without a left-back in support. And we badly missed that balance of how good Amrabat was in the midweek. And, you know, everyone says he's a revolution as a free-roll left-back. And, you know, he played all right as a midfielder on Saturday, but he just didn't play all right as a left-back. We, he was there as a left-back, unfortunately. That was the issue um, and the space that we had. I mean, thankfully, we weren't playing against a team who were more ambitious because they would have taken that space to town and absolutely been ruthless with it. Palace under Hodgson are quite happy to sit on them 1-0s. And, and I'm not criticising or being condescending because it gets them the results as it as it did. Um, there are many things to be disappointed about what we've seen on, on Saturday. Someone even commented to me on Twitter, really good observation. I don't think it's that bad, but he likened it to when we lost against Norwich under Van Gaal at Old Trafford, you know, saying that, you know, yeah, sorry. But there, there are many low points to, to call on. Um, which of the low points disappointed you most on Saturday? Uh, <coughs> I think I think not playing Hannibal from the start was was the biggest mistake. Um, I know Mason Mount had a really really good game uh, on on Tuesday or Wednesday night, but but so did Hannibal. You know, so so dropping one and not the other um, kind of disappointed me. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna for me if you're gonna take one player out, it has to be Mount because uh, Hannibal's the only one. And, and and one of the one of the biggest positives from from the midweek game was. Uh, and, and it was commented a lot on social media was how a lot of a lot of the players and you know Hannibal especially was chasing back all the time, you know was making up ground was and that's what we needed on Saturday uh, was someone to with Armabat playing out on, on on as a left back which was a terrible I don't come on we 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 surely have someone else to play out there the guy is getting killed he really is. I mean, can we put Johnny Evans out there? Can we put Lindelof out there? I mean, to move Gallo there—that's what he's played there in that position. Just swap, swap them over. You know, it's 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 just baffling because anytime, uh, and we've only seen Amrabat in, in flashes in midfield. He's he's probably been one of our better midfielders. He's played really, really well. Um, and I was I was disappointed to see that, but it's so easy to play Manchester United at Old Trafford these days. Teams come, they sit back. They know they're going to get a chance, whether it's from a free kick, from a corner. They're going to get a chance, <clears throat> and they're going to, you know, lately they're going to put it away. So, you know, even the midweek game where it was uh, seventy-two percent uh, possession for United, um, teams are just happy to let United have the ball, as Paul said. They're, they're just happy to let them do it because we don't do much up front. So teams are coming to Old Trafford now. They're just instructed to sit back, and they're told, you know, if we nick a point here, great. We may get three because that's the way it seems to be these days. And we'll get an opportunity and we'll get a chance. We just have to stick it away. We have a, we just can't break teams down these days. We really can't. And it's not something new for Manchester United. I mean, you know, 
even back when when Paul was playing, teams came to Old Trafford and just sat back. But back then, they sat back because they wanted to keep the scoreline down. Now they sit back because they feel they can win the game. They sit back, wait for the opportunity, and get it. Like you said, it was a it was a badly given away free kick. The finish was exceptional. The marking was terrible, um, and that's what teams are coming to Old Trafford to do. They just come to sit back, but they're getting more opportunities and more chances because this team is still so fragile. Um, I just I, I just don't see where Mason Mount and Bruno Fernandez playing the same team. Unfortunately, um, when when they both play, one of them just disappears. You know, uh, previously it was Mount, but on Saturday, I mean, you you know, you had to look around to see if Fernandez was playing. He just he was obsolete, and and that's not a criticism directly at him of being a bad player. It's just that I just don't think I think he has to do other things when Mason Mount is playing. Um, and of course, we, you know, I don't want to keep bashing Rashford, but you said earlier on that we had, you know, a few flashes from Garnaccio. He should be starting, Wayne. I'm sorry, I don't get this whole thing with Marcus Rashford getting in every week. I really don't, and, and not being substituted 99% of the time. Um, but it was disappointing, but it wasn't a major shock. And that's the disappointing part of it all. It wasn't a major shock. So <coughs> with teams that just come to Old Trafford, they sit back, they wait for an opportunity, they get a goal, they sit back again, and we just can't seem to break teams down. And that's 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 the biggest disappointment for me right now. Yeah, um, I think the, the thing you mentioned there about it not being a disappointment is, is an issue because you think that we've kicked on from that. You know, you see the manager lift a trophy, you see a team with identity, you see them moving in the right direction, then we, we move back seemingly two steps uh, back after taking a massive step forward. Uh, Patrick says, on the, on the left-back issue, you can't legislate for two injuries and a lone cover being injured. Everyone, co- Anyone covering there would be at risk, whether it's Dallow, Evans, Lindelof, where's young Fernandez? I think Fernandez went on loan. There was some talk that they don't think he's physical enough for, for the Premier League. Dallow, like I said, the, the sensible choice because he's played there before and at least when he's there, even if he's not brilliant there, He's used to the position and he knows the responsibility of that position. I mean, Paul must have been having nightmares watching a fullback and there's, there's territory where there's no fullback at Manchester United. I mean, well, we were all having fever dreams and wondering what was going on. Um, and, you know, it's not Amrabat's fault completely, but he's still no. an experienced professional footballer who's played international football at a World Cup. He should know that's where you pick to play. I mean, he said in the week, and he was, I know he was joking, I'll pick it. I'll play anywhere, I'll play in goal. But if you pick to play left-back, play left-back, because unfortunately that's where you, we need you. Um, so yeah, we're talking... Wayne, I'm sorry, sorry, real quickly though, it, maybe it's a question for Paul. I mean, taking a midfielder and playing him left-back, i got to assume it's easier to take a centre-half and play him left-back because his main job is defending. So uh, I'm still baffled at why we don't push one of our centre-halves out, out, out to the left or the right. Yeah, um, I would say you'd look what you had available. The one, like Wayne said about Dallow, Dallow's the one you would put in that left-back position because the fact of he's done that on quite a few occasions. But then you're looking at someone to play right-back. So the one to play right-back would be Lindelof. Yeah. And then you then you use Johnny Evans. Yeah. On, maybe then on, on that left side. That's, mm-hmm. that's what, I think that gives you a chance. Lindelof isn't a full-back, you can just see that there's something, I don't know, I think you have to just, I just know people who 
he, he doesn't he would he doesn't look like a fullback. He looks a centre half out of position, but you know he's not a slouch. Um, he's got decent agility, but you miss out maybe on the fact of him going forward from that kind of wide position, even though he's comfortable with the ball. It's a different game to him out there. So that's what he could have done just to kind of make that bit easy and get people in that back line who know the back line. If you play Amber, you play an Amrabat, all of a sudden you're playing a 100% midfield player and a quality midfield player at left back and you're holding him back. It's say like putting a, a Roy Keane there or a Brian Robson there. You're kind yeah. of... Yeah. You're putting them there, and their first thought is yes, they'll is to do a job, but they're always going to be like to kind of go a little bit more inside yeah. and to look. Always, first thought is to go forward. The first thought of when the ball's coming in towards them is to attack the ball rather than as a defender. You think, so if I'm in it, there's space behind me. It's better if I let the ball get there and not give up this territory too early, otherwise, someone's going to go in there and threaten my left sided centre half. So, I mean, it's as far as I'm concerned, he got that. I was shocked that he played him there again. Even though he'd done okay before, if you remember, that was a different game. Same yeah. team, 100% a different game. And Roy, you know, he, he was up, you know, the godfather of football. Roy just couldn't believe it when he mostly went, well, now we're going to take a liberty now with this one. Yeah. And, that's, and, that's, and that's what they've done. So, um, see, I'm just seeing already about, talks about Roy playing, Roy played right back, but we are talking about Roy, and when Amrabat talks about I would go in goal, if that if there's are, someone would ask Roy to go in goal, and Roy would be the best player on the pitch. That's the difference. Roy, Roy would talk it, but Roy would go in goal, and he'd be he'll do something, and he'd turn around and maybe say to Shemichael at the time, "That's how you do it." He'd done it to me a few times when I, you know, when I about, about wait, waiting to make a tackle, he's just gone bang, took the tackle, looked round, and he goes. I can't say what he actually said, but he said, "Worse the effect of <laughs> that's how you do that." And, yeah. what did, and what's the best thing you do when boys had a go at you? You say nothing because you're never going to win. Well, the other point is with that. I mean, Keane did play right back, and that was, I think, at that point he was Fergie was a little bit reluctant to throw Neville in full time at right back, so he put he Keane. Did, there. He did. I mean, it was about. I mean, I was out at that time. They tried David May there. We yeah. leave that. We leave that alone. Talking about David May. And when he went out to Gothenburg, um, but then yeah, he put Roy in there. And Roy, Roy done a good job, but you can't have a player like Roy playing at right back. It's a, it's a, it's a complete waste. Even though he'll do a great job, it's a waste. So yeah. the boss had to think about it, and the rest is history. Anyway, go away. Stop talking about it. Cause I might get too emotional about it. No, yeah, yeah. But the point <laughs> I was making is that at least on that side, if you if you swap them over, at least the positional aspects, because Amrabat's so right-footed that it'd make a lot. So if he's playing right back, then at least he's he's not moving yeah. to compensate yeah. and leaving spaces. And yeah, that's I mean, yeah, that, that works. I know what you're saying, Wayne, and that you are right. I mean, if I play on the left, I mean, people said to me I couldn't play left back. Affects me because I'm on my left side to go out on my left side. I have enough problems going out on my right side before anyone says it, but going out on my left side is a completely different mindset. He's especially been predominantly right footed. He was always, when he did go in, when he did go into yeah, the field, in. he, he was going further and further away from that left back spot. So yeah. if it had been left footed, it would have been, it would have been a lot easier because yeah. he would have been, he would have been playing more going to his left. So the space wouldn't have been as big. So that was a, I think that was a, a tactical mistake. I don't often question anybody because 
there's a reason why they do that job and I don't. But I think that was a mistake on his part in doing that, trying to do that again up against a wily old fox in Roy Hodgson. Yeah. Um, so we'll get on to the wider issues. Dave did his little interruption asking. Actually, it's probably the best part of the podcast, asking for Paul's expert knowledge of playing at fullback, which I could have done, but I'm, I'm not clever enough to come up with that in my notes. Um, Casey, morning, mate. Hope you're well. He says, we've loaned out Williams, who scored for Ipswich, uh, Fernandez and Saltzeles for four million. Those three left while we only had one fit left back. So I think this on ten on. Maybe a little bit harsh because I think that you had an offer for Tellers, you've got to take time to move him on. And Williams, I, I agree with Fernandez, I would have kept Fernandez, even though people are saying he's not physical enough. I think Williams is at that point where he needs to go and get regular football, and he wasn't helping him being at United anyway. So you've got to see what United are going to do in terms of response. And we've said that too often this season already four defeats from seven league games, and I think, um. I think it's been said it's it's the worst start to a Premier League season. It's the worst start that we've had, and that's been said a few times in recent years. So we're really outdoing ourselves with that. Um, but what do you do in terms of a reaction? Because the Brentford game last season was infamous because he called them all into training, made them run the compensatory distance from the, the game before. You can't do that all the time. And I think like you've got a, a situation where the manager has got credit in the bank, Enough of us have seen that to, to say, all right, this isn't on him. We've seen the improvements and we've seen the the, um, the the difference that he's made. But it does sort of feel like that era under Ferguson, Patrick was mentioning, I think it was Patrick mentioning it earlier. Let me just have a quick look. Um, I think, yeah, it was um, about the, you know, the, the peaks and troughs that we had under Ferguson. And, and there was that period where Whiteside and McGraw, um, and I'm only using those players to represent the era I'm talking about, because we're talking about a lot of players, you know, like um, um, Colin Gibson and players like that who, who had to move on. Like you've had a peak. You know, Fergie finished second in his first full season, and then it went it went low for a bit, and to a point where there was talk of him getting sacked, obviously. Um, but I think, like, now you've moved on enough players, like Ferguson did, and what you're left is... A residual attitude within the squad of the players that you, you haven't been able to move on. I mean, that could be seen in the players that we brought on on Saturday to change the game. Martial, Maguire and Van der Beek. Um, we've seen all of those players long enough to know, first of all, that they're not really game changers. Martial could have been, but you don't bring him on to change a game. Um, and, they, and fundamentally, the bigger point, the wider point is we know, and this isn't a criticism, it's a fact based on what's happened, they are not going to play in a Manchester United team that wins the league title. Unfortunately, they're not good enough for that. Um, so now it's a, a matter of finding them the best place or, or do they stay and we continue to achieve what we have been achieving? And and obviously they've been staying where they are. They, they've stayed longer than other players who've moved on. That means that other teams are wary of bringing them in. So we've not been able to move them on. And they know, those players know that in a normal situation where we don't have an injury crisis, they're, sur they're really surplus to this manager's plans. In Maguire's case, you've got the potential position for it in the team and the idea that there's an international tournament to think of and you don't have that with Van der Beek and, and Martial. But even then, really, Southgate picks Maguire regardless of his position in the squad so he doesn't have to worry about that 
what I mean is that's a situation that Ten Hag can't fix until a transfer window or until a team is willing to take them on or until the contract runs out. So he's literally overseeing that moment when they move on and you're going to need that manager in place to make sure. I mean, yeah, all right, he's overseeing the exit of Ronaldo, this big stuff that's happened with Greenwood and with Antony and he's, he's looking like a strong authority figure. You have to give him enough power to oversee that next part of the transition because that's a crucial one. And it's not necessarily player power, but those are the players that do for the manager eventually. And that's what happens. That's why you see that. Well, in my opinion, it's why you do see a lot of form like this. Um, like I said, Tenor can't fix this and his successor couldn't fix it because he's going to inherit the same squad. But then there are going to be different players with different issues. You know, like it might be an honour. He might decide that, that, you know, a new manager might say, I've had enough of an honour already. And then you've got a player on a long contract who so you might not be able to move on. Now, the issue that you've got can be fixed with certain elements. First of all, Tenog, but you've got to have patience to see Tenog over that entire part of the process or take over where the financial implications become such that you don't have to worry about writing the players off in terms of fees or in terms of wages. Um, and that's going to take time. It's all a matter of time and you can't fix that. You can't fix that here and now. That's an issue that's there and it's going to be, it's going to impact results and performances from now until the moment that they go. So play, supporters, anyone watching this or listening to this, you've got to buckle up because this is what's going to happen for possibly the rest of the season. You're going to see a lot of low performances until hopefully we get a full complement of players. Paul, am I being too pessimistic with that? Is there another thing from what the options are on the table that Tenard can try? I don't think there really is. I mean, everyone's got their own idea, but I think everyone is talking still kind of but talking as if it's it's got to be there, where I think at the moment it's just a case of trying to get back a little bit of quality, better performances, and maybe thinking, you know, looking now, maybe say at the moment, that Europe Champions League next season is not going to be there because at the moment, performance-wise, they're nowhere near a top-four side. They're, they're a long way off of that. And it's just about getting the, trying to trying to get the right players fit, trying to get the right players playing together and trying to get continuity back. And that comes from trying to play the same team for a few games. It keeps making changes, too many changes, I think, as we saw, saw at the weekend. So I just think he needs to add continuity. That's the only way you actually get success, yeah. in my opinion, even in today's world of having players, managers kind of having to make changes to try and keep players happy. I don't think players are entirely happy coming on with you know over time, you know, twenty you know, twelve minutes of overtime getting three minutes or whatever, but that's the way the game is now. But I just think he needs to do that. And the right player the players that he believes in, he's got a player make it obvious to those players that they're not wanted. And then the onus falls on them and they're the ones who have to be embarrassed in walking around Manchester, Old Trafford or Carrington because they know in themselves they're not wanted. And it's been proven time and time again <laughs> is that everyone knows the players who are not wanted by him. Um, and I just think I, I really can't find a way of what he can do about it because when you, the players you just mentioned, you know, you talked about, 
a lot of it comes stems from Ollie is the contracts they were given yeah. and Edward Woodward they were given ridiculous contracts they didn't achieve anything they didn't do anything which was you know the club yes you know the club won a um, Europa League and a, a League Cup but great but that's not Manchester United in <laughs> all of a sudden these players got rewarded with these unbelievable contracts Hold up what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Bookshaw, McGuire, um, I think even maybe even Martial. I don't know improvements. And you just seen Rashford just now. I'm thinking where we are now. You can't trust. You can't trust people to give them these big contracts because they seem to want to sit back on it. You, they, any drive that might be there is gone. And the same as anything in life, the only way you get anything by pe- anything from people because it's because hu- they're human is the fact of giving them an incentive. Yeah. I mean, I you know when I went to United, I. I I just I went there. It wasn't so much about wages because I could have earned more money and stayed in stayed in London. I went there for a reason, and it wasn't about winning league titles. I went because it was Manchester United, and it's when I got there that I suddenly then realised by the way everyone was talking, even if I was walking down the down the street, it was about got got to try and win a league again, and and that's when it suddenly got embedded in me because I spent so long just being there and playing other places and just playing football, and every win was about. You know, to get this bonus, to get that bonus. You go to United and it's about winning the league. You don't even really ask about bonuses. Even though the bonuses at United when I was there weren't great because the fact of you're expected to win a win a lot of games, so then you'll get you'll get more money. But yeah. to give to give people up front and pay them so much, and I think every club in in this league have got the same problems because they feel they have to, because if they don't They'll lose that player because the player will go and choose somewhere will give him what he's looking for. So they feel they've got to do it. And all of a sudden, the moment you're doing that, you've got somebody who you can't rely on. If you've got somebody who's got a certain amount of goals to score, clean sheets, or you make the actual fact of winning, how many points, you, you know, what you get for a draw and what you get, and you give them that big incentive to take a bit more, you're going to get more from those players. You drop down into the first and second division, those players live and die off of that they live and die off of winning games of football. Yeah. They, they live and die on the fact of relegation and promotion, but yeah. not, but, but not, not in, not in that league. They don't do it because it's because the moment. Oh, we're going to get relegated. Oh, don't worry about it because because I got it written in my contract. If we get relegated, they'll have to sell me that. So I'll go back into the Premier League and someone will take me. Yeah. What a great life that is at this moment. So there's no great drive or passion in my humble opinion in the majority of players now to what there was in yesteryear. 
And I, and I think you can just see that when I'm seeing players who are happy, some happy just someone runs away from the ball and they're virtually saying, oh, that's his problem, rather than it being your problem in the fact of you might have given the ball away or you're seeing your mate in trouble, but they're not willing to run back. If I saw someone sprinting back and decides that he can win the ball, but he, and he tries to win, it gives away a silly foul. Yes, it was silly, there was, but you have to turn around and say, oh, well, what a great, to go back and help his mate. But I see people running back, and I know I've diversed a bit, but, and I see somebody lose the ball, and I've seen them, I've seen them on quite a few of them, just jogging back, and then when they get back, because maybe the game's been stopped by a free kick or gone out, not one person has pointed a finger at them. Not one person has had a go at them. What a great life that is. Yeah. You know, what, I mean, anything, you know, you get back late in for after, after school as a kid. You get back late because you're playing with your mates in the park. You get a rollicking off your parents. Can you imagine if your parents didn't care and just let you carry on as normal? Yeah. You, you, you become a delinquent because you can do what you want. Yeah. You, ain't got, you ain't got nothing now. You, you, know, you're not, you know, you're not probably just carrying as, oh, I can do this. So I don't see anybody telling anybody that they're being lazy. Now it's, it's it, and that would hurt, by the way. When yeah. you take a, when you take a rollicking off a teammate, and it's on a pitch, and it's justified, you don't take it that way because you'll try and go, hold a minute, don't put this on me. It's 30, 40, 50, 50, You're putting it all on me, but you know it's you. It hurts you, and it's up to you then to sort it out with your mates at the end of the game or at half time. Yeah. You go, you go and do that, Wayne. But. No one does it. I, I'm not seeing no confidence, no arguments. And I know I'm not, I'm not turning around and actually saying you, you want that, but you want somebody just to, to be telling people so they know. And then the, the, man, I mean, the manager mostly knows it, but if he sees what he's, someone, maybe his leaders in his team having a go at this individual, he's going to go, oh, I need to deal with this now because my players are telling me that player's a problem. Even though I can see little bits, they're the ones who actually gone, yep, bang, he's a problem. And there's too many problems in that team. And then one of the other problems is there's nobody out there who's, who's actually doing that, to be perfectly honest. The man with the armband has got enough problems sorting himself out, to be perfectly honest. So that's the problem with United. They haven't got within the club an actual captain. Yeah. Um, just a couple of comments I'll come, before I come to you, Debo. Patrick says, um, I'm loath to voice this opinion. I've felt for a while. We can't win the bigger prizes with Bruno and Rashford in the team. Productive on goals and assists, but detrimental to general play. There's an old saying about addition by subtraction. Basically, take the risk of letting Maguire, Donny, Martial go. And then far from the only ones, um, by the way. They're just the three players who came on, on Saturday. That's why I mentioned them. And be short of numbers initially before building up again. Dave, Paul talked a lot there about, um, and very, very, you know, I don't think you or I would disagree with anything he said in terms of incentive because, you know, that's long been a, a suspicion we've had in conversations on and off the podcast um, in terms of, you know, there's no incentive for these players to to do to achieve in the same way. And the the way that you can manipulate that incentive is to um, control their the very career at United basically and United haven't been good enough. They've not been able to be ruthless enough with moving players on in terms of you know I remember they did it with Sanchez and with Lukaku relatively quickly and you thought, all right, yeah. that, that's fairly ruthless. That's a high standard you failed to achieve. But then you look at Lukaku and maybe it was just because there was a lot of money that they could get for him. And it and it wasn't a matter of being ruthless um at all really. 
Um, and, and obviously there's been interference. We know that Edward has gone on record as admitting that in, in the past. You know, the, the big thing with uh, Paul mentioned it, the Martial contract when Mourinho was quite happy to move him on. And, you know, we ended up sacking Mourinho before Solskjaer was even appointed. <laughs> we gave Martial a new contract, which um, told you everything about the direction of what was happening with, with the club at that moment in time. Um, but in, in terms of Ten Hag, from a supporter's point of view, because I, I mean, I, I don't think we can add, add much really to what Paul said in terms of the incentive. But from a supporter's point of view, obviously the finger's been pointed at Ten Hag and people are starting to say, like, oh, maybe he's a problem and blah, blah, blah. Patrick said in the comments earlier about needing patience, but Paul made a couple of great comments about how it's a different game now. You know, like players have got, um, you know, they've got different incentives, they've got the different contracts and, and things like that. They're, they're not particularly looking at winning all the time. It's not a, it's not a must to them. That's the thing that Ten Hag has got to change because obviously it has to be a must for him and, and the club. Um, so how does he manage that? Is there, I mean, from my perspective, from my personal perspective, I don't think it matters if we get to Champions League this season because the problem that we've got is much bigger than that. It's a, it's a bigger cultural attitude problem and it needs to be approached on a game-by-game -game basis, which I thought Ten Hag had managed last season by what Paul had said that continuity in the team, you know, he'd achieved that and it made every game important. Obviously, unable to do that at the moment because of the injury problem, but um, still, that the entire culture seems to be slipping away from that. Do you put that down to the injury crisis? How much blame do you put on the manager? What can he do in the meantime? Considering there are a few problems there, you know, obviously, people are going to be looking at the Champions League qualification as the be-all and end-all. Would you are you agreeing with me in terms of like that's not really that important for United? I, I, what I'm trying to say is, how bad does it get before you start being concerned about Senog's contribution to this? Um, I, I mean, for me, I think I think we we need to stick with Ten Hag, um, because and for me, it's quite an indefinite um thing with Ten Hag because I think he's done so many good things in the past year alone, um. His his hands are tired from a financial aspect. Yes, he you know he has spent over four hundred million, but he spent four hundred million on players that the likes of Real Madrid and Manchester City, for want of a better word, didn't want. Um, I mean, I've said this for a long time, for the past 10, 15 years, especially in the last ten years, and it's not just a coincidence that Fergie quit at that time, and Wenger has said in the past he left because he. He, he just couldn't handle these players coming up, you know, they're earning so much more money than he was. Is, does, I mean, is there is there another job on the planet? Because it is a job at the end of the day where the employee earns more than the boss. I mean, where where does that happen? It's not in a regular job. A CEO at, at Apple is not on less than the guy that's on the production line that's actually doing all the work. Um, it just doesn't happen. It only happens in football. There is no incentive anymore. I mean, Paul Paul um, uh, spoke about when he went to United, his his drive wasn't money. It was playing for Manchester United. I mean, we go back to that story that Gordon Hill told us that when he signed for Manchester United, he went upstairs, he sat with the doc, he sat with the chairman, and then he came back downstairs after agreeing to, to come to the club, and he said he had to go back upstairs to ask him what his wages were because he never it never crossed his mind. It never came into his head. Um <laughs> 
those days are long gone. So the situation we're at now, and, and it's not just Manchester United, it, and Paul had, had said it earlier on, it's, it's, it's pretty much every club. You, you're, trying to, you're trying to bring in the best players that have no drive. And unfortunately, Ten Hag's hands are tied on that. Because every club's the same. I mean, I look at Manchester City. Don't I don't I don't see many players in Manchester City that are going to kill themselves to win a title. I just see a bunch of players that are better than everyone else in yes. the same job. Um, uh, just that slightly bit better, I, and they're on more. Obviously, they're on more money. There's bigger fees being paid. I mean, so that's what that's the that's the era we're in right now. Is that the person with the most money? And you could say, well, that's been the case all the time. Not necessarily. I mean, when when if, if the player doesn't have the drive, it doesn't matter how much money you're going to give them. You just have to, the players that are that are winning the league these days are just that little bit better. It doesn't mean they're driven by, by more success. Um, I don't believe so. I think players nowadays, and, and it, I know it's not a nice thing to say, but it's true. They're only driven by one thing, and that's, that's the amount of money they're going to get every week and what they're going to get at the end of their contract in, in these loyalty bonuses and stuff like that. That's all they're driven by. And it's just unfortunate that Ten Hag's hands are tied when it comes to signing the better players. Because make no mistake, Ten Hag is a very, very good manager. I, I wanted him for, for many years. And when we got him, I thought, okay, there's one massive thing that, that, that we have now is that a really, really good manager. But on the, on the, the, you know, the business side of it, it's still a shit show. And until we move these owners on and someone else comes in that's going to spend the money, and that's the unfortunate thing that you're going to have to spend all that money. Um, it, it, this is going to continue. We're going to have, we're going to have highs and massive lows. Um, I mean, you know, we, we spoke earlier in, in a couple of podcasts about Harry Maguire not going to Man City. And, and I kind of, or sorry, going to West Ham. And I kind of agreed with that. If the club have, have agreed to give him a certain amount of money for the next three years, whatever's left in his contract. But they want to move him on. They committed to that money. They should just pay him and move him on. The fact that they wouldn't pay out $7 million, $7 million is a hell of a lot of money, even for today's footballers. It's a lot of money. So Manchester United, as Paul said earlier on, have made these mistakes and these massive contracts and rewarding people for doing nothing. Now they have to actually put their hand in their pocket. And they want to move these players on they have to pay them out and move them on. Because if they don't, the smell is just going to linger in the club. We're going to have players that, as you know, as you said, Paul said also earlier on, that, that the other players know that the manager doesn't want them there. Manager doesn't want, it's obviously he doesn't want Scott, Scott McTominay. It's obviously he doesn't want Van Der Beek. It's obviously he doesn't want Maguire. It's obviously he doesn't want Martial. Three of those players came on on Saturday. What do you think the rest of the team is thinking? They're thinking, well, what are we supposed to do here? You know, we're bringing on players that the manager doesn't want here. It's it's a massive, massive problem. Um, but it's and I'm, and and I I know it's a long it's it's a weighing answer all the way around to come back to the original answer our question. And um, for me, Ten Hag has massive kudos in the bank. For me, I think it would be a huge, huge, huge mistake to even talk about moving him on because I think he is the real deal. He's just there's, there's certain aspects at the club that's preventing him from doing his job. You know, it's it's like it's like asking someone to race the Tour de France on one wheel. Ain't gonna happen. You know, um, you'll get a little bit down the road, but that's about it. Um, but at the end of the day, no, there's no question mark for me about Ten Hag. 
you know, there is times where I get frustrated, like on Saturday, or when I'm like, why isn't he playing Hannibal? You know, and why is Amrabat a left back? But that doesn't mean that in the overall sense of, of getting rid of him, uh, should be should be looked at. I think I think he's an absolutely fantastic manager, and uh, we we've said this a couple of times now. My biggest fear, um, and and uh, I had this fear, and then it quadrupled when Paul brought in the fact that if he wants to save his reputation, he could move on. I never even thought of that, and I'm thinking that's even that's even more of a concern now that he could move on, because if he did, if he said, "Oh, I've had enough of this," Paul's right. You know, other clubs are looking at him and go, well, this guy has certain levels that he, he wants to achieve. Or he has he has a baseline and he doesn't want to fall below that. And by quitting Manchester United, um, which is a real option, it really is, as things rumble on, um, he goes up, you know, a couple of levels in, in other clubs' uh, uh, estimation. I mean, Real Madrid, Carlo Ancelotti is, is supposedly, well, I think it's been announced that he's leaving at the end of the season. Um you know, Tuchel at Bayern Munich, unless he unless he does a really you know good job with, of the Champions League, these are the things we have to fear. N- yeah. Not getting rid of the manager, the manager walking away. No, I, I completely agree. Um, Dan says the problem right now is uh, the Glazers are selling. I suspect they've put values on their balance sheet. Um, I think that's the heart of the current issue. Any variations on the costs uh, forecast will have a multiple attached to it and give room for negotiation to a buyer. And it doesn't help us fans. It certainly doesn't help creating the right culture. But I'm convinced it is a big factor. Um, You're not wrong, I don't think. Um, Difficult times um, and difficult sort of moment for Tenog to to navigate. But we all have to be patient with that because that's the only choice we've got. Suppose you wouldn't want to make a change when there's such turmoil at the club anyway. You need strong leadership. That's what you need. That's what you actually need. Uh, Paul, one very quick thing on Palace before we move on. Paul Parker's ref watch. I know that you're keen to get off and watch Dermot like usual, but um, it's been another, another, another eventful week for um, referees and great decisions. Obviously, there's one at Old Trafford, the penalty appeal on Ward. In, in real time, I didn't think that it was on on. The replay, maybe I, you know, you've seen them given, you've seen them not given. That's the point that, that you've seen them given and not given throughout the season. And then obviously there was the facade, the absolute nonsense that went on with the, the Liverpool game yesterday. I mean, I'm, you know, I think it's funny that Liverpool have put out a statement and everything like that, but they've got a point, not got a point in asking for a game to replay, or that they, as a club, deserve action over any other. But the point is the standard. And the VAR this season has been an absolute nonsense. And it was on Liverpool yesterday. Well, against not yesterday, against Liverpool on Saturday with the offside. And you know, you could argue with the red cards. I mean, anyway, they they've got a right to be aggrieved at the result and the way that it happened. Um, what what do you make of the weekend's uh, fun and f- festive action with the the referees? Well, it's no surprise, really, to be perfectly honest. I think you've forgotten, you've forgotten a bit. I mean, it's not the most outstanding fixture in the world, really, Nottingham Forest being Brentford, but there was yeah. two, hand, two hand balls, and the incident with a goalkeeper on, on, on um, Wieser was absolutely incredible. There's another football adage. If that was outside the box, that would be a foul and a uh. yellow card. Val would look at it because he is because the person would have jumped in with his scissors. Yeah. So yeah. Val would have looked at it as that. That's I mean that's how it is. Yet 
There's no penalty. There's nothing. Nothing at all. It's cleared off the line, put out for a, and it, they got a corner. And it was absolute madness. It was, it was, it was, it was silly. And the whole thing now has got embarrassing. I was chatting to someone this morning, this morning in the gym. I didn't really need him. I'm there on a cross trainer and he wants to talk to me. I've got sweat pouring all down my face. Not the best time to talk to somebody. And he started saying, talking about, he was at the Spurs game. And we're chatting away and, and he said, Paul, he goes, I thought when VAR first come in, he goes, I thought he was going to take away all the banter in the pubs and everything about football because everything's just going to be bang. We're going to be like American football and be like that. Everything's correct. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. this, is, this is causing more aggressive conversations yeah. now because because of we only had one person. We turned around, the referee was this, the referee was that. He's human. He makes mistakes. And the, and the assistant got an offside one. Now we've got people con sit in the room, and they've got everything, and they've got everything allowing them just to flip back quickly and go bang, mistake, bang in the in the ear. So we do need them now. I don't know why, but they, they seem to be against it. They won't. They won't. There's no debate on it at all. So again, this has been hidden. Another thing hidden away from the people, not just in football, in life in general. We need to ask why won't you allowed allow referees to go hear their conversation with VAR. Why won't they do it? Because they're hiding something. I would say on the other side of it, now it needs an independent person in that room with them to find out what's going on, why they're making that decision. For that person not to go in there and know the job better than them, but to, for them to be able to, for that person to be there and just go, oh, oh, why that for? Because he's there. For something that might go out the head. And you've got to know yourself, Wayne, I hate going to, I never go to, only unless I know the people who I'm with in there or I know people around it, I go to my mate's bar. I never go into bars to watch football because you never watch it properly because someone wants to shout over there. You've got people in your ear talking all the time and you're constantly switching off and, you're, and you look. If you've got three, four people in the room, it doesn't matter what they're doing, someone's going to say something, it's going to detract from what you're doing. Especially if you're working, you're going to turn around and look at something. So I, I, you know, I just think there's so many distractions going on in there to make that mistake and not to re-correct re -correct it, that Liverpool one I'm on about, when you had every chance to do it, but you thought, oh, I could just let that get away and that won't come back and haunt me. And not unless they sat there after, think themselves, oh my God, we're in serious trouble here. It doesn't make any sense. So... This, there's, you know, there's been a shout for ages and people throw it up that it needs ex-professional footballers in there. It just needs an independent football person in there just to ask quite obvious relevant questions about, oh, why did you do that? Or why isn't that? Just to kind of keep these people on their toes, to be yeah. perfectly honest. Because like anything, they get this ultra-ego comes in. And to be perfectly honest... I've watched this referee, Darren England, referee a lot of games. He likes himself. Yeah. He's rude to people. He's disrespectful the way he looks at people. I've never seen a person give out a yellow card like he's handing out a prison sentence. Yeah. You know, the, the man, you know, when I found out it was him, it was unbelievable. So that's my take on it. It needs now a change. If not right now, it's got to happen next season. Just someone to be in there. Could be you, Wayne, just to sit in there and just ask them. Well, no, but just to ask them. I know they're not the most interesting people in the world. You'd rather sit next to rocket scientists and with a bunch of referees, to be perfectly honest. 
but you need to just ask them a question. Ask just why are you doing. If that one's there, oh, you're giving it offside, but what about him there? And you might not see that. You might not look at bottom of the screen or something. You don't know. But some, they might have switched off. They need help. So even though it was Liverpool, I'm going to turn around and say that it was something, what happened there was an absolute shock. You know, it was shocking what's happened for football, happened to Liverpool. And the Tottenham fan I was with, St. Paul, he goes, I just, he goes, I was happy we won, but I was thought myself, it's not the way to win a game of football. When, no. With things like that going on. And just as well with a referee, I believe as well now, we need yellow cards looked at. Because yeah. I look at Jota's booking, the lad cheated. He kicked his own feet and he went down. Jota gets a yellow card. The second one was ridiculous what he got. He was silly to do that straight after. But we've yeah. got to look at the yellow cards now. Too many people are getting, and it's ruining games, it's ruining players. Managers get panicky now. The moment a player gets a yellow card, Managers panic, fans panic, get him off, get him off, he can't do this. Other fans are saying, want him sent off every time he makes a tackle. At one point, you was allowed to make tackles in the game, but you was unlucky because a player showed a great bit of skill. But not anymore, a great bit of skill, and you you get it wrong and you catch him, you get a yellow card. So rather than commending the person who's done the great bit of skill, they just turn around and go, no, I have a yellow card because it's my job and I don't like you and... This game's not about you. It's about me because I wear black and I look good. I'm full time. Yeah. No, they're not important. These referees. Saw a great ref. So you tell me a little short bit. Saw referee. I was just referee. What's his name? What's his name? I go. Oh, oh, it's Graham Scott. Oh, who's that? Who's that then? Oh, he comes on. He's been around for years. Didn't know his name. Referee. Yeah. Referee didn't know he was there. That's a referee. Well, they're all celebrities now. Um, so a couple of funny yeah. comments coming in. Patrick says, in spite of Spurs-Liverpool debacle, I'm even more convinced that Garnacho's winner at the Emirates was onside. Might petition my local MP about replaying the match. Um, ben says, VAR has to be either fully automated and not be implemented until that's the case, or just been... Well, it definitely needs to be a massive reform. I just think, like, you know, Spurs benefiting... From this, I mean, they cried 19 years ago to bring in video technology when Roy Carroll made that wonder save against Pedro Mendes. I mean, all, all we needed, what we needed then and what we need now is reliable lines. Any reliable line would have told you that didn't go in. And a reliable line would have told you that Garnacho's goal at the Emirates would have counted. And that's all we need. We just need lines. Um, just just gonna... a couple of things. Sorry, Wayne. Oh, no, no, before you interrupt me, um, I'm, I mean, I will let you say his piece. Um, I'm not letting that one slide, thinking that I'm so dull that I should sit in a referee's room for two hours every Saturday. Well, I don't know what punishment I deserve for that, but um, I, mean, I don't I, think it's a, I don't think it's a bad little gig, by the way. I'm, sometimes it beats sitting in the stadium with, with the big ear big ear things on and freezing, sitting there like that, sitting in the room for a while. I can deal with maybe four blooming rocket scientists next to me just to stay in the warm so I'm wouldn't knocking it. I wasn't disrespecting you by saying that way. And if you're taking that way I can only apologize. <laughs> I get enough abuse as it is. I don't need to say that I'm responsible for ruining every team. I, I already get accused for ruining Manchester United for, for, for just sitting there supporting the team. Um Dave, oh, go on quick quick thoughts on VAR. Well I mean I, I mean Paul kind of stole my thunder there because I, I was gonna say that 
in the NFL, you know, which is a high contact sport, as we know, decisions are made instantly, instantly. I watch NFL every week. I've been watching it for 15 years when I moved to America. And it, it's mind blowing that, that it takes so long for a decision when, if you watch the NFL, and I'm not sure if you do, a lot, a lot of the calls are made in the middle of, you know, of a down and a scrum, whatever it is, bodies are flying everywhere. And you think to yourself, how, how has someone seen that so quickly, you know? Um, but then Paul said to put you in the room, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, now if, if Wayne's in the room, we're going to have to have halftime concerts while he's debating what actually happened um, uh, while we're waiting for it. But um, the, the biggest thing for me with Bar is that it's it, two things. One, it's, it's, you know, as Dan said, until it's fully automated, get rid of it, bin it. You can go backwards. Uh, there was a journalist on Twitter earlier on that saying we can't go backwards. We can, of course we can. We can get rid of it. It's ridiculous. It's making too many mistakes. And the referees um, associations answered with, oh, let's let's not let that boy referee next week. How's that going to improve? You know what I mean? That you know, Now there's, there's so much pressure on referees now um, and because they're in the spotlight as well um, that, that they just make these mistakes. And now it's actually fed into the room where we were led to believe that all these human error mistakes were going away because technology was going to make sure of that. You know, goal line technology is the only one that really works with the exception of Roy Carroll, but it wasn't around back then. Um, but the biggest thing for me, other than some of these decisions, is that, and it's got gradually worse over time, is when you score, you don't know whether you've scored. Yeah. You're waiting for that five, six, seven seconds, unless it's a clear balls crossed in, back of the net. And even at that, you're thinking, well, what happened two, two passes back? Will that affect it? We all go to these games because, number one, we love our clubs. And number two, the euphoria of scoring. They've taken away that second one. They really have. Um, and and for, for probably 60 70% of the goals that are scored, I mean, when I, when I, if I'm not at Old Trafford, I'm here watching the game. As soon as they score, I'm half afraid to even celebrate because you're like, You've got to give it that four to five, five seconds before you can celebrate to see if it's a real goal. That is mental. That that's what they. That's what we pay to go and see. That's why we love football. We love that massive high it gives you. But now it's like you, you, when we score, you you have four seconds of depression. You're like, oh my god, is it a goal? Is it a goal? Is it really a goal? Oh, it's really a goal. And even sometimes that takes a minute, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, so oh. that for me is 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 the single reason why we should bin that piece of crap. <laughs> I, I would say, you know, the the good thing about following United this season is that we're not scoring many goals, so you don't even get. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say you don't get four seconds of depression, but <laughs> you get ninety minutes instead, don't you? Um, yeah. um, but just to save you a few, a few more minutes of depression, uh, because we we've talked so much about putting Paul on ref watch. Um, I don't think we're going to review the games for, for Galatasaray and Brentford. So if you can't preview the games, you can't get them wrong. But <laughs> Paul and I will be back next week to talk about. Um, I'm going to be making no um, team selections and predictions about putting um, Annabelle in or out because um, of how wrong I was. Um, so won't be doing that, but we'll be back next week to talk about the games and the results. Hopefully, talking about two wins, and at least we're playing different teams, so we might get them. If you've watched on um, YouTube, if you can like and subscribe and share the video, really appreciate that. And if you've watched um, the replay, comment. We do reply to the comments. 
And if you're listening back on the audio podcast as well, if you can subscribe and leave a, a review on the platform you're listening on. We'll be back next week, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.